It's like you take your wealth and what you've invested money in, and you take that harvest, you put it on a ship, and you're spending it, and you're trying to multiply it. You're trying to expand it. And you put it on a boat. There's no GPS tracking systems. None of this kind of radar stuff. It's like you're flying, sailing, going by the stars, and you don't know what weather forecast is. You know nothing. You know nothing. You have a boat, you have grain, and you're heading do whatever. And he said, throw it on the boat. He said, better yet, put it up the hill and maybe seven, maybe eight boats and spin it up for the four winds and wait for the return of the water. Now, if that doesn't give you a plot for adventure, I don't know what to do. See, Solomon's looking at his life and he's like, man, I have no idea what's going to happen. I can plot, I can plan, I can live, I can exist, I can do all kinds of things. But the truth is, is when I live my life, when I invest my life into something, I really don't know what to return. See, when you have children, you have no idea what that kid's going to do. Right? You have no idea what the personality is going to be like. And you can sit there and say, you know, I'm saying, you know, my personality, I'm going to get some of those personalities, you know, I hope they become this, I hope they become that. But the truth is, you know, kids are going to do what kids are going to do. They're not going to do that because they're just like you. And you can go on and go on like And it's an adventure. It doesn't feel like an adventure at 3 o'clock in the morning when they're screaming, yet you can to be fed. I believe it, right? It doesn't feel like an adventure sometimes when they kind of withdraw the teenager and slam the door in your face. It doesn't always feel like an adventure, but it is. Because we don't know the, 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 all of the knowledge. We, we, we can't figure it all out. We have existence and we have meaning and we have purpose and we, we have these experiences and there's an adventure to it. We don't know. What's on the next page of our story? What's on the next page of our kids? What's on the next page of tomorrow? We don't know what each day holds. And we will drive ourselves mad if we try to predict our story, control our story, or manipulate our story. So Solomon goes on. He begins to unpack that. He says, you know, if the clouds are full, he says in verse 3, in three they empty themselves on the earth. So it's like, hey, we know that when the clouds are full, it's that's all. And if the tree falls to the south or to the north, in the place where the tree falls, there it will be. Right? Talk about philosophy 101. It's like, where is the tree going to fall? It falls where it lives. You know? It's like, you know, you just say it. We don't know. It just happens. Things happen. That's the way it is. Life is. And he who observes the wind will not sow, and he who guards the clouds will not reap. You know? Because we don't know all of the factors that, that, that happen. And he says, but we do know this, that life happens. Clouds fall away, rain falls. Where does rain going to fall? We don't really know. You know, we, we do this in weather forecasting. 70%. I don't know if you know what that means, but 70% doesn't mean there's a 70% chance of rain. That means 70% of the radar area will receive rain. Which means there's a 30% chance of an area where the rain's not going to come. It's like rain is coming, we don't know who's going to experience it, but we know this, that when the clouds are full, they're going to be full. And that's all we know. You cut a tree down, you can, you can plot, I mean, I've done tree saw uh, training for disaster relief, and it's like they tell you how to do the notch and where to cut, and it's like, you know, but you cannot be precise. It's like, I think it's going to go like between here and here, right? So you start here, but it's like, man, this thing could be all like 20, 30 degrees, depending on if the wind blows, but it's not right, but I'm coming at it on the other side straight. 
we don't really know, but the one thing we do know is that when the tree falls and then when the falls, we don't know why. And that's all you know, because God has wired me to be analytical. And I don't know if he's done that for my amusement or for his. But I'm always willing to know the why is in the And the truth is, it's not a lie. Jesus is just not a lie. And so when you think about meaning, you think, well, I have to know why so I can find the meaning. But that's not true. Meaning isn't quite the year of answers. It's how the body thinks. Why did it happen? Why did it happen? Who's in control? I'm living this thing. Today is going to be a day where I have an obstacle that I have to overcome. Some days I'm going to overcome that obstacle and, and, and enjoy life. Some days are going to be dark. Some days are going to be rough. Some days are going to be romantic. Some days are going to be It's an adventure. I don't know what the day's going to be. But I do know that it will be an adventure. But no experience is exactly the same. If you feel like you manage a day, the truth is, there's not any two times that you face your thoughts that it's exactly the same. That every kiss, every embrace that you have with your spouse is uniquely different in that moment. Even if there's similar moments, like you're holding each other because there's hardship. We've had a hard tip before, but it's not the same. It's a little different. It's always a little different. There's always something to be seen. That brings me away from money. Because life is an adventure. And if you're not careful, you're going to be thinking so far down the road, you're going to be observing the wind and where it's going to go and where it's coming from, but you're not going to do anything with your life. You're not going to start. It's like a farmer that's trying to figure out, can you scatter the seed? But before I scatter the seed, I'm going to know where the wind's going. Because I'm going to play with that by using the wind. It's like you're observing the wind, you're never going to do anything with your life. If you're worried about the future, you're never going to live in the present. If you're trying to figure it all out, you're never going to take a risk. And you who regards the clouds and the truth, and if you're just daydreaming your whole life away, at some point you're never going to embrace what's right in front of you because you're not living where you are. And that page of the adventure of your story begins. The one that God is writing. Remember, when we start to talk, we keep on giving God the pain. He's writing that story. Listen. And where's your subcredit? Literally, we go on in verses 5 and 6. It says, As you do not know the way the Spirit comes to the bones and the womb of a woman with child, so you do not know the work of God who makes it. Here's the truth. And in the morning, sow your seed, and at the evening, withhold not your hand, and you do not know which will prosper, this or that, and whether both alike will be good. You know what I'm saying here? This morning, eventually, we have this tendency to try to power. You know, we'll get so overwhelmed by what's in front of us that we're just kind of like, we're just kind of expecting. People are listening to me, and I'm going to go around, and I'm going to go around. I'll give you an answer to this. But then, you come in, you start to go in, you're just going to go in. Well, what about tomorrow? What happens tomorrow? Well, you're not going to know tomorrow. 
Well, God, I just want to know what you're saying. He's like, God, I want to know the intricacy of the universe. I want to know how you need the universe. I want to know how you give a spirit to a child of the moon. I want to know all the things that I can't even search out, that science can't even search out to this day. I want knowledge that is not yet appealable, and so I have it, but I'm going to do it. It's crazy. You don't need to know what's coming. You need to know who's in control of what's coming. You don't need to know what, you need to know who. And that's what he's saying. We may not know how God works, but we can know the heart of God. We may not know the mind of God, but we can know the character and the heart of God. And we can let that character and that heart allow us to face whatever we're experiencing this day, what's coming next, the unknown, the uncertainty, and instead of powering and controlling, we can step out and live trusting that God is in control. And so what do we do when we don't know what to do? He says, in the morning, so you see, do what you're supposed to do that day. And at night, do what you're supposed to do that night. And the truth is, you really don't know if the morning is going to produce something good, or the evening is going to produce something good, or the day is going to produce something good. Don't worry about that. Live in the moment. Live what you're supposed to do. Live the adventure. Do what you're supposed to do today. Which is try, love, and trust. That's every day. That's every day. No matter what it is, God's command to us is to try, to love, and to trust. To allow Him to be the center of our efforts, of our hearts for other people and what we do, and ultimately who we're trusting to be loved. That's the one. We live in vision. That's the first perspective. That's what God wants us to do. Live an adventure. The second perspective is this: is that life is a gift. And, and maybe the better way to say this is that life is the gift. Life is the gift. Not your career, not your house, not your bank account, not your retirement plan. Life is a gift. Read, having good health. You, people around you, life is a gift. Not what you achieve, not what you succeed at, not what you do, life is a gift. And it's a gift that comes directly from God Himself. This is the perspective that Jesus wants us to have, is that life is a gift. It's a gift. That He's given to us. He's ordained our gifts. He's set us where we are in this life, in this time, for such a kind of way. I mean, you see it all over every page of Scripture. You're here because God desires for you to be here. The man in the middle of Harvey and Basin, we struggle with this perspective a lot because sometimes it's hard. It's hard. It can be empty, it can be difficult. Well, when we see this, we see this in verses 75 in chapter 11. That's what he said. Life is sweet and it's pleasant for the eyes to see the sun. Isn't that true? Wait a minute, right? For some of us, they're not morning people, right? For some of us, it's like good morning, Lord, and for other people, it's like good morning, morning, right? So it just comes down to a perspective and maybe we're just talking about it. 
But he turned around and he turned around and said, with all the questions of meaninglessness that he wrestled with and all the dark chapters, and if you want to see where he's coming off of, we ended in, I believe it was in chapter 8, we skipped over 9 and 10, because it just, he just gets stuck in his head and goes, oh, there's no meaning, no meaning, no meaning, and he just rehashes everything. And then he comes to chapter 11, and he says, it's life is sweet. Why? Because life is sweet. I wake up, I see the morning, and it's pleasant for me to be alive. I am alive today. I'm alive today. And now, maybe I got some tough problems to deal with. Maybe there's, there's something in my life that I have to overcome. The life of adventure. They're not always dark days. They're not always great days. God is in control of those days, and God has given me this day life to give. That's what he's saying. So if a person lives many years, let him rejoice in them all. So listen, if you get a chance to leave, live many years, don't grow up to be the grumpy guy that says, get off my own. Right? Rejoice in all the days. Enjoy the days. Enjoy them all. But let him remember that the days of darkness will be many. Remember, not every day is going to be a good day, but you can rejoice in all your days. And all that comes is vanity. It's, it's, it's a vapor. It comes and it goes. So in other words, when hardships come, don't hold on to them like they're going to define your life forever. And when the big games come, don't overlook them and check out on them because they're going to pass quickly. Live for all of it. Every aspect of it is a gift. Every, every day is an opportunity to live life and experience something new. Listen, when it be comfort and hardship, a great joy and comfort. Both of them can be very positive experiences. And that's what he said. He goes on in the following verses. He says, Rejoice, O man, and, O young man, in your youth, and let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart and the sight of your eyes, but know that for all these things, God will bring you into judgment. What is he saying? So, man, today, you're the journey to every day. Right? Like this second year is going to be You're older. You're older. You're older. And you let that lay on you and bring it down where you can rejoice for you. And that's what he's saying. Rejoice in your youth the moment that you have, the day that you have. And then he says, walk in the ways of your heart. And what brings you pleasure? Walk in it today. When you see before you that you want to pursue, pursue it today. But just know that not everything is worthy of pursuing. Not everything is worthy of your passion. But he's saying, live life. Make decisions, make choices. Listen, I think sometimes we get so hung up on God's specific will for our lives. Like, God, what's the specific will? Sometimes he gives us a choice. Does it honor me? Is it good for you? Is it good for others? Do it. This is not a wrong answer. Unless it's something that is leading you away from Jesus himself. Unless it's something that is leading people away from Jesus. Unless it's disregarding God and pushing them away. He's like, man, all your heart and all your eyes, right? It's that, that passage where we read a song where it says, delight yourself in the Lord and you will give you the desires of your heart. So you look at the plans and manipulations and it's like, you know, delight yourself in the Lord and God's going to be what I'm going to do. That's manipulation. 
What you say is, is that when you find the life of God, that you enjoy life in God and, and, and you enjoy Him, He gives you desires in your heart. He gives you that direction for sin. And you can trust in redeeming the heart. When we start to see risk in the unknown, we forget the life of nature, we forget the things that we forget, we stay back there, and we don't really live. And God says, Live. It's a gift. Today is a gift. The passion is a gift. The desire you have is a gift. If you're walking with me, it's a gift. Live. And then he says, in verse 10, something that's most important for us to understand if we're going to experience life as a gift. And that's removed the tension, frustration, and noises from your heart. From your heart. Because you can't remove frustration from your life. There's always going to be somebody in your life that sees and brings in the room. You want something like that? Yeah. But he says, remove the frustration from your heart. Stop trying to and put away pain from your body. You know, work on your Be healthy, emotionally, physically. The youth and the blood of life are born. Pain. Life begins in an obvious pain. Third perspective that God needs to give is that life is a school. Life is a school. Tell about where we go. You never really graduate from anything. You just can't open the chapter for a minute. Oh my gosh, I'm going to lie for you. Right? It, it just seems like it's possible. And it's possible. See, life is a few hard teachers from telling you to learn a because it always gives the test before the lesson. You can't prepare for just about anything. Something happens. You're like, I wish I was more prepared. You're not in life. It doesn't work like that. Life is about experiences. The test comes first, the lesson comes in. That means that when you look at your life, you have to process life a lot differently than past the past. Perfect or imperfect. You have to process that as growth and development and understanding. And if you don't take life in from that perspective, and it's all about perfect fail, what's the right thing to do, that excessive worrying, you will end up on meditation. And your body will be well out. I can't feel this stress. Kids say, life is cool. And it begins on top of in chapter 12, verses 9 through 12. He says, Besides being wise, the preacher also taught people knowledge. Like, listen, we can hold this perspective outside of ourselves when we talk about last week. We're letting God hold the pen because he knows things that we don't know. That's wisdom. But the preacher, the messenger, also taught us knowledge to pay attention to what's going on around us, what we can learn from our experiences. Weighing and studying and arranging many problems with great care. Clever are those truths that we ultimately come to a lot of this, this combination of wisdom and knowledge. 
experience my living in what I was learning in the way from you, you just experience the things that happen. Right? And so I'm not too tired and funny and familiar. But it's the truth that we come to, this understanding of experience that we come to by living life and taking the test and finding the lesson, the knowledge that we need to gain in this. And that's what he said. Then he goes on and he says in verse, uh, verse 10, the preacher thought to find the word of the law and uprightly he wrote the words of truth. And so when he's looking at life, he's coming back on the back side of the test. He is realizing that every lesson brings about something that's worth embracing and passing on. And so when I go through experience in the life, what do I do? I realize that there's going to be a test before there's a lesson. There's something that I need to grow. I'm going to grow through this experience. And as I grow through this experience, I have to be really careful that I walk away. Because sometimes we can look at our experiences from the negative point of view. Right? The classic example of that is, if there's evil and suffering in the world, there's no doubt. That's, that's one conclusion that we can come to. That's one proverb of life that we can come to. God is supposed to be good. He's created the whole world to be good. If not good, there's no doubt. Or we can say life is hard and difficult, and that's why we need God. It's a matter of what words that we string together, of the right and uprightly putting words of truth together. It's a matter of perspective. One, it's just our lens of life saying it should have went this way. I'm God and God failed me, therefore he does not exist. I do. But in the end, okay, I went through hardship, I'm here, and God exists, and I need him. It's both perspectives. It's three things. It has depth and meaning to life. And that's where he's coming to with this example. He goes on in verses 11 and following. He says, the words of the wise are like girls. And that's a cattle party. If you've ever been on a farm and see somebody plod cattle, it's like this lightning stick. If you zap a cattle to get them to move in a direction, because it turns out they don't want to go anywhere. They just like to eat. They tell them they need to move whenever they want to. You have to stop something to move it, because we're the same way. Man, we get stuck in life, don't we? And sometimes we need a truth to come along that kind of harvests and strikes us back to existence a little bit, and it kind of push for a moment, and then we move and realize it's like, oh, man, this can even work for a second. And then we need another pastor to grow from to find research to find. And this is saying the words of the wise are like goes, and we put the sword, and like nails firmly fixed are the collective things, and they are given by the one shepherd by God. So God's truth becomes the things that push us forward when we don't feel like moving, when we need to be taught, we need to be stopped forward. God's words are like that, and then they become nails that we can hang our life on. They become truths that we can count on, that we can rest in. Because they come from God Himself and want us to realize that life is a tool and He will give us the knowledge that we need from the test that we have received. And He says, My son, beware of anything beyond me. And we live in a world of information that's making many books. There is no end. So much study is a realness of the flesh. He's like, Listen, you can drive yourself nuts on the Trying to figure it out, trying to put the pieces together, trying to make sense of it all. And there's all kinds of knowledge that you can build your life on. But remember, whatever you embrace is only as good as what you embrace. If you're taking knowledge from broken people, you can expect the results that broken people offer. 
you're going to go to one thing knows and loves and cares and dies and you can expect those promises to come. That truth to become knowledge in your sense of life. that Jesus wants us to have is that life is a stewardship. Stewardship is a biblical term that just simply means to care for something that is owned by another. It's life is a stewardship on every life, all of us, to care for you. To get it in, and it comes to you with it, but you don't independently own life. Nobody independently owns it. You experience it, you explore it, there's nothing really on it. It's a stewardship. And there's life, the beginning and the end. He's the author of all of life. It originates with him. All good things in life, he is the example of the giver of it, the picture of it. And you just turn to something that belongs to him. Versus See, when you're in life, you can realize it. But when you're still of life, it's a lot harder to miss it. And Solomon begins to understand that truth. We see this in verses 13 and 14. It says, The end of the matter, last few verses are going to be The end of the matter, here's the bottom line, it says, All has been done. Fear God and keep His commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. How do you feel when you read those verses? See, if you're owning your life, you might approach this as fear being saved by God. Or the idea of being afraid of God would make you think, who is God to tell me what to do with But when life is a stewardship, you have that additional perspective, and it came from him, it's a gift from him, it's an adventure, and it's a school that you ultimately is going to lead us into an incredible career. Fear takes on a very different meaning, doesn't it? It takes on this sense of He's giving me this gift. He's giving me this adventure. He is going to help me figure out what, what life is going to help me. I'm going to walk away with some good truth here. It's going to push me forward. It's going to help me develop as a person. I'm experience new things. And you can step back and think, oh, of everything that happens. See, fear can be terror or it can be awe. It's like being all of God and keep his commandments. Why? This is, the, this is the direction, right? Commandments are directed. Where do you want me to go? What do you want me to do? And we ask that every day. It's like, God, just tell me what to do. It's going to be a commandment. It's going to be authoritative, right? And we're asking for that. Tell me authoritatively what I should do here, God, because my authority has run out. My answers have run out. My wisdom has run out. And yet we look at commandments as something that are restrictive and harsh and punishing. Why? Because we think we own our life. But when life is a stewardship, then commandments take on a very different view. 
It's the direction that we've been looking for. So this is everything that we already believe. A God will bring every need into judgment. And listen, again, when we own life, judgment is God bringing down the hammer for all the wrong that we've done. Or, when life is a stewardship, judgment means this. God's going to evaluate everything and tell me what's worse and what's good. See, judgment doesn't always have to have the sense of justice hijacked. This is going to Every single thing that we're going to do, every single thing that we're going to do, is right. We don't want to have it all figured out. Sometimes the best thing that we can say is human is a great thing to do. But I do know the one who does. That's the additional perspective. And I don't know if that's my perspective, your perspective is, you know, and we know. And we just need to know you. To do you. To follow you. Because life is a stewardship. Give you a couple points. We can help you process this. Clayton Clinton, who was a missionary, female missionary, and you know, being female means that he was supposed to be cool. But he says this measure of life is not an inspiration of things, but an inspiration. When life isn't about how long I live, but what I do with my life. It's a stewardship, so we should that. Oswald Chambers keeps it like this. When you fear God, you fear nothing else. Whereas if you do fear God, you fear the reaction. Because when you're in life, it takes your afraid of loss. Anything that threatens your control is like me. If I just fear God and trust Him, I'm going to lose. Or maybe this one. He who has the most no faith lives the longest. That's true. Give me that. But it's what you do with your days that matters most. Remember your creator in the days of your youth. Remember him before you get old and grumpy, it goes on and sad, before you can't see good days, before you can't guard your own house because your legs are wobbly, before your teeth fall out of your head, before your woman stops looking at you. That's what he starts unpacking all the verses. Remember God before you get old and nobody cares. Remember him in the days of your youth. Right now is the days of your youth. Before the evil days come and the years draw near, which you will say, I have no pleasure in you. Remember your Creator before you get cynical. Before life makes you cynical. Embrace this perspective. Bring up the next slide. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to close one eye. I want you to put your thumb in between that open eye and the guy's head on the screen. You see this one? See, what we're talking about here is that when we have our perspective, life is flat, and all we can see is whatever we put in front of our future, what we're looking for. I want you to do, without moving your thumb, just switch which eye is open. Now you feel both, right? You see 
your perspective, but you also see that there's a perspective in front of you. You see both your perspective and the future perspective. This is what we're talking about here. Life in 3D is quickly perspective, allowing God's perspective. And what it does is that it's, it's called paradigm. It's the idea of depth in 3D. This is how that lens works, that 3D camera. You have one lens, and they can only see the object that's right in front of you. You switch lenses, you see, you know, both objects, and you open both objects, you see depth. Right? This is kind of blurry, but that's very clear in front of you. When you take your perspective and you allow God to speak into your perspective with his perspective, you let his perspective dominate, then you start to see death. You start to see past yourself. This is what God desires to us. So closing statement is the truth I want you to take with me. Meaning is not something you find in your experiences. It's something you bring to your experiences. See, when you connect with God, that's the second word. And when you go out of the you see death in your experiences and expectations. But if you spend your life trying to find meaning in your experience, you will learn yourself rather than having a to give you this perspective of It is the gift of life. It is a school for every teacher, living in the world, every experience and trying to get to this is the